0: This uh, show got more response in writing than any program we've ever done. Our Substack was was packed with comments. And when I was not in, in jail on Twitter, it was packed with comments. And um, there is a page, a gentleman has set up that is uh, a Facebook page about this show. And it's called a fan page, but I don't have fans. I have podcast family members. Um, <laughs> my wife uh, is on that page, and she was telling me people are just absolutely responding to this uh, to this Stacey O'Gresnik story. And what I see is Stacey is, well, her husband, unfortunately, was the canary uh, in the cliched coal mine. We are facing medical tyranny. And in hour one, we talked about a way to get out of that medical tyranny, which is, in fact, um, a parallel society move. This is so vital. Listen here to Senator Ron Johnson again.
1: Never got to vaccine. So I want to I want to talk about what we know about the vaccines that the media, the COVID cartel, is not conveying to the American public. The American public does, is not fully informed as they're making these decisions. But then I do want to try and move on to what's happened. I mean, wh- wh- why is this information being withheld? What are the forces at play? And then finally, I really want to get into what information do we need. I'll, I'll just throw one out there. You know, we, we've now heard, heard of SADS, right? Everybody knew of SIDS. Now we got SADS. i would never heard of that. When, when all of a sudden it started being talked about in the news media and been suppressed really for months these young people just dying on sports, sporting fields, whatever but now all of a sudden they got a term for it I'm reading the reports and as always in the reports I go medical experts are completely baffled sort of, what could possibly be happening these things started in the year 2021 I mean, are you kidding me?
0: Well, that's that's obviously happening. And so are COVID protocols continuing to kill people. Listen to Stacy's story about her husband, Ryan. And you tell me, based on what you've heard, based on what you've heard, knowing that in a jury circumstance, the, the hospital would get to try to defend themselves. Based on what you hear, does this sound like murder to you? I want to thank my dear brother and friend, Zach Abraham at Board Capital Management, knowyourriskradio.com, for making this show possible. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. Stacey O'Gresnik joins me on the Todd Herman Show. Um, Stacey, welcome. So appreciate you coming on.
2: Thank you for having me here.
0: Um, Your your husband's uh, name is Ryan, uh, and he went into the hospital. We're going to talk about a protocol that, as you and I were visiting, in my judgment, uh, it killed your husband. Um, but let's let's talk about the man who who was your husband, uh, and let's just get to know him real quick. If you wouldn't mind telling my audience about your husband, uh,
2: sure. Yeah, he was he was forty one years old, um, and he met me when I was just fifteen. Mm. Uh, we met at a private Christian school, mm. so small class, maybe like thirty five of us. Yeah, uh, and we've been together since then, and we've kind of fell for each other pretty quickly um, was my best friend grew up basically together so he's been with me over half my life um, and he uh, we both had our own businesses so we're both big entrepreneurs uh, he actually did his own insurance had his own insurance company uh, so at the end that's what he was doing he did life health. Um, pet insurance, auto insurance, all that kind of thing. Uh, he was starting to get pretty big and well-known and really proud of, I was really proud of him. He was proud of himself. I was proud of him. I was his biggest fan. Yeah. And uh, sadly his life was cut very short when he had a lot of life still ahead of him.
0: Yeah. Um, I can see yeah. your pain and uh, I feel deeply sad for, for that this has happened. And I feel really frustrated that you're having to face this and if you wouldn't mind, I just I you know, folks you are listening to this wherever they're at. Hey, if, if you're not driving, we just stop and just say a prayer, to the Lord Jesus, uh, for Stacy. Uh, and even as the Lord gathers her husband, and, and he he sits with him, the Lord Jesus, uh, that we would just bring some Holy Spirit would bring some peace to this lady who's speaking out. And not everyone is brave enough to speak out. Um, we we just want you to know uh, we're going to continue to pray for you, Stacy. And your husband went into the hospital. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Of course. Uh, The body of Christ. When one hurts, we all hurt. Um, When your husband went into the hospital, uh, what was the complaint? How was he ill?
2: Uh, He actually had flu-like symptoms for about a week and a half. uh, Nothing too severe. Then towards the end, he... uh, before he went in, which was November 21st. We're coming up on a year since he went in. uh, He was starting to feel slight chest tightness um, and he found out he had pneumonia. Uh, So he wanted to go in. I wanted to take him to an urgent care. He thought he should go to the ER to get a steroid shot, get some oxygen, make it easier to get through the night. The next day, we were going to be picking up some script for budesonide and ivermectin, uh, but he thought that he could go to the hospital and get a jump start on it early, catch it early, uh, feel a little bit better. I was scared about the protocols. I knew people that got in, couldn't get back out, so I was very hesitant to do it. it. We weren't hearing a lot about it last year. It was starting to kind of slow down in Michigan, so... Uh, He thought the worst was over. They really weren't pushing the whole COVID thing, Uh, but I was still nervous about it. I kept telling him, no, I was scared, Ryan, that if I take you in there, I won't get you back out. He told me I was being paranoid. Um, He didn't follow as much of this as I did, so uh, he just thought I was overreacting. Told me I'm a worrywart, (laughs) and uh, his last words was, um, I'm an American. I have rights. uh, They can't give me anything I don't want or don't agree to. And we couldn't have been more wrong about that. So I, I uh, agreed to trust him and take him there. And he said he knew not to go on remdesivir. Uh, as an insurance agent, he knows that the hospitals are paid a 20% bonus to use that drug. And he knows the side effects of it. Um, he heard the risk. He didn't want to take that. And so he knew he would never go on a vent because he knew coming off of it was like slim to none. Uh, So uh, he uh, knew not to do those two things. And then those are the two things that he would not have a say in the matter when he went in.
0: Um, So went into this hospital and um, what was his oxygen level at that point?
2: And when he went in, he was ranging anywhere from 89 if he was moving and doing something strenuous up to 94, which is really right around average. Um, So he wasn't really horrible when he went in. Um, If he wasn't doing anything heavy lifting or coming up the steps, uh, he was staying in the 90s. Uh, So uh, when he uh, was in there, he was doing better once they started to give him some oxygen. But I started hearing the doctors talk about watching his kidneys closely relatively early when he was in there. And I started asking them, you know, was he put on remdesivir? And they would say, oh, well, we don't have his medical records in front of us. You'll have to wait and hear from a doctor. And um, it was really hard for me to get a hold of my husband ever in there. Um, Sometimes he would be talking a little bit loopy. I, I thought that they had him on something to make him... Not sounding like himself. So that was a little bit worrisome. Um, so, which later I found out they were giving him sedatives and those will actually de- su- suppress oxygen levels as well. I didn't know that. So they're giving him anti anxiety meds that he's never been on before and it was making him delusional. Um, so I also then uh, would call there again and I'd, they would say that they're watching his kidneys closely. And I'd say, again, are you giving him remdesivir? We had you put that in his notes that he was not to get remdesivir. He did not want it. I know not to get it. You know, uh, I'm speaking for him. If he's not all there and I'm not, he's not making sense and I'm his voice for him, he is not to get remdesivir. And they would never answer me. So I called back on a weekend and got a different nurse. And she sounded kind of like ditzy on the phone. So I call her up and, and I said, hey, you know, I heard about this new drug called remdesivir. And I heard that it's supposed to be really effective in helping patients. Is there any way that we can see if my husband has been given that drug? And if not, can he get it? So I kind of turned the tables like I was wanting him to have it. And she goes, oh, well, let me look in his chart. Oh, yeah, he got that as soon as he came in here. And so when I got my husband's phone later, I seen that they had sedated him. And he woke up with an IV in his arm. And that was remdesivir. And sure enough, nine days later, it was putting him in kidney failure
0: this is just unthinkable. Um, and are you able to say the name of the hospital?
2: Uh, yes, it was, uh, Beaumont and Deer- it was, it was called Beaumont right now. They're merging with Spectrum hospital and they're changing their name to Cornwall Cornwell health. I think it's how you say it. Um, they're, they're starting to change it in various cities. So right now, I think it's still Beaumont in Dearborn, but it's in Dearborn, Michigan. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we, but it's happening all over like this. Yes. So then after they started to shut down his kidneys, um, they they started to press for him to go on a ventilator. <laughs> now, my husband's oxygen was better at this point. He was actually wearing no oxygen and wearing two face masks on his face. Oh. And they were talking about putting him in a step down unit. So he asked, he said he didn't know why they were pressing for the vent. Now, the doctor's calling me and asking me to convince my husband to go on a ventilator. They first called me at two in the morning to do that. And I told him no. And I texted my husband and said, the doctor is trying to tell me to get you to go on it. Don't believe him. I didn't say yes. Please sign yourself out. If they're pushing this, sign yourself out. And um, he had texted me and said, no, I'm not going on no vent. Don't worry about it. And then they called me again, about 3.30, 3.45-ish that day in the evening, started pushing it again. And my husband sent me a screenshot showing that he was at 98% oxygen.
0: Unbelievable. And that
2: he was feeling fine.
0: Ugh.
2: He had told the nurse, "No," his exact words were, no way in hell am I going out of vent. Don't bring it up again. So I knew that he had told them no. I seen where his oxygen was. And the doctor at the same time was on the phone with me saying to be honest with you, we told your husband that we're going to vent him with or without his consent. And when I said that's illegal, he slammed the phone down on me. And then I could not reach my husband after that. All communication stopped everywhere. Uh, when I got his phone later, everything stopped. He wasn't texting nobody else after that moment. Two hours later, that doctor had called me back and said, we vented your husband two hours ago. And he told me on the phone, he said, well, your husband was, uh, had, 40% oxygen, turning blue, and, and told us to do it. I'm like thinking, one, if he was 40%, he's probably not telling you to go ahead and do it. He's probably not talking at all. And I know he's not because I just got a screenshot, but he didn't know that. I didn't tell the doctor that I had a screenshot of where his oxygen was. So I, I was just trying to take it all in that he's, like, lying to me and freaking out that my husband's now on a vent. I'm picturing that my husband probably fought for his life um, as they were doing that and how scared he had to have been not to have nobody in his corner. Um...
0: No, no, but no, no, no. Wait, a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me stop you for a second. You were in his corner. They wouldn't let you in there. I don't I, I, know. I don't, know, I in, don't no. know you very well, but I'm going to stop you there. You were in his corner. <laughs> you were in, no, you were taking screenshots and evidence. You're still in his corner. You are in this fight and your husband yeah. will have justice. God watched this. The Lord sees and Stacy, he sees you. God is the God who sees. He sees you. Uh, we're only now meeting, but I'm telling you, you were in his corner. And, and I want to get more of your story. Can you imagine uh, Chuck Schwab or Fidelity sponsoring a program like this? I can't. They can't afford to tell these truths about their beloved pharmaceutical industry. Zach Abraham is wide, eyes wide open on this. He is my friend and brother from Bulwark Capital Management. He's the chief investment officer there. He fully recognizes what pharma is doing and how they're using their market heft to do it. And he's fully aware of the scam of Sam Bankman Freed, who incidentally is being apparently put in prison the same place that Jeff Epstein was there. And you know, Epstein, he got suicided, didn't he? Oh, pardon me, pardon me, pardon me. He committed suicide, of course. Uh, so, Zach Abraham, as chief investment officer at Bulwark Capital Management, speaks his mind. Crazy thing. Sometimes that costs him liberal clients. Though, of course, the firm is performing very, very well. Has for a decade. So, it, why? It's risk management. That is the signpost. That is their North Star risk management at Bower Capital Management because Zach has seen too much. Certainly, pursuit of growth in your portfolio. You better believe it. If you are facing the chaos economy, that's all of us, if you have a retirement account and you're near retirement, you're in the danger zone because that's where risk can become ruin. So get in touch with Boric Capital Management at 866-779-RISK. Have them look at your portfolio and see if it will withstand the chaos economy. That's 866-779-RISK or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client services agreement, Bulwark Capital Management's an Investment Advisor Representative, Trek Financial LLC, and SEC registered Investment Advisor. I just, I want to make it clear. What I'm hearing is your husband was murdered. And is that how you feel? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, that's my assessment as well. And, um, And I'm sure that you, I mean, you have now evidence of this. Do you have have more evidence of these doctors knowing what they were doing?
2: I'm sorry, what was that question?
0: Do you have more evidence that these doctors knew what they were doing? Do you you have more? Yeah. Okay. So let's talk (laughs) about that. Let's talk about that.
2: Um, I get in there a week later. Um, They finally let me in about after 21 days of keeping me away from them. I am finally allowed to get in there to him. And uh, Ryan had opened his eyes for me while I was there and he felt the vent with his tongue and he shook his head no, like an angry no, trying to let me know that he didn't consent to that. And um, as I went to go ask him questions, I realized he could move his face while they had him on paralytics so that he can't fight back against that vent. Oh, Lord God. um, He could somehow move his face. So I, I asked him like, you know, Ryan, can you hear me? He raised his eye. He kind of like made a face expression like he could. So I said, can you raise your eyebrows for me? And he did. And then I said, uh, you know, Ryan, I love you and I'm fighting for you. Yeah. And um, he raised his eyebrows again, like he was saying it back. And then I said, can I ask you some questions? Can you raise your eyebrows up for yes and down for no? And as soon as the nurse heard me say that, she ran back to his monitor and started up his sedation saying that we got to make him more comfortable. And it took seconds to take effect. Um, So they never let him come off of that sedation to speak to me again. Uh, So then I started to look at his IV and I said, what is he on that's going to help him even come off of this vent? Noticing that he's being given a pediatric dose steroid, a six milligram steroid every 12 hours, saline, and then he was already given remdesivir and now he's on kidney dialysis. Um, So I said, what is it that he's on that's going to help him come off this vent? And the nurse told me, well, nothing, but it's all we're allowed to give him due to politics controlling our healthcare system. Um, They had told me their hands are tied, that if they try to give him anything else, they'll lose their jobs. So now I'm taking, I'm understanding that my husband's to be the sacrifice for their paychecks. So I became now starting to look at Michigan laws is where it stood for recording conversations, found that Michigan was a one party state. Uh, So, as long as my voice was in the conversation that I could legally record without their knowledge or consent, so I started to wire myself. Um, I used to be a videographer, so I had that kind of equipment. So, I just wired myself and I was able to record these conversations with these nurses. Um, I had a nurse telling me that she wondered what the fight back was against ivermectin. She wondered if that was the cure. Um, She had told me that uh, she knows that what they're doing, these protocols are letting these patients die. Um, and that she feels like there's some kind of a bigger agenda going on in the hospital that they're not even knowing about, that they can feel that there's something bigger. Um, I had doctors, I had one doctor come in that I tried to get his home meds of ivermectin because it should be his legal right to use his home medications. And when he can no longer speak, I am his voice for him. And they were were denying that. Um, So I had a doctor come in. His name was Doctor Sharba. He had told me that he would love to give my husband ivermectin, that he thought it would help him, and to give him a proper steroid. But his hands are tied, and due to due to the politics controlling the healthcare system, um, and that he had to think of his own his own livelihood and his own paycheck first. He said that directly to me while I sat next to my husband's bedside. And I looked over at my husband 's monitor, and I saw that his uh, mental awareness was there because it would show a level of sedation and I' seen that he his blood pressure now was increasing, his heart rate was increasing, so I knew you heard that, and he can't speak for himself. <laughs> So that angered me so bad. And I looked at that doctor and I said, this Christmas while you're with your family, I want you to picture me here beside my livelihood begging you a doctor who took an oath to do no harm to put my husband's life above your damn paycheck. And he got quiet and I told him that my husband's blood was going to be on his hands and he was going to stand before the Lord as a murderer and not just for my husband, for, for all these patients in here. And then I looked at the nurses that were standing beside him as witnesses and shamed them for the same thing and told them that they have their own license and they took an oath of do no harm. And they just heard that message come out of that doctor's mouth and they're going to stand there and follow these orders to harm these patients. I'm like, do you think the hospital is going to have your back when all the judicial system starts to fall down on these doctors and nurses for what they've done? Is the hospital going to take fault for it? Hardly, I think not they have their own insurance. they have their own license for a reason that doctors the hospital's going to put like you know put them underneath the bus they're gonna say well we we didn't make you do it. You made the choice to do it. that was what you thought was best for that patient. You were just obeying orders, and it didn't work in Nazi Germany. It's not going to work today, so I was telling them that and one nurse rolled her eyes at me, and the other one looked like she wanted to cry, and she was nodding her head yes in agreement uh, uh, and then uh, uh. the next day uh because of that, I had a hospital administrator come in with a police officer the next day, take me to a back room and try to tell me they didn't like my attitude in the hospital, um, that they didn't like what I was saying to Dr. Sharba or to the nurses. and um, They proceeded to do a form of blackmail for me to stay quiet. So they told me that if I did not stop trying to get their nurses to stand up against protocol, that they would have the story that i was seen going into other patients' rooms and that was a safety violation and then that would get me thrown out of the hospital and i would not be able to see my husband until they were done with him and now i know that they have cameras all over the place so obviously they know that's not true but that let me know they were setting up a blackmail
0: it's it's so yeah. it's okay and they had e- this is just going to, this is just, I, I, I like, I'm a discipled man and I am, uh, I am, I am pledged to forgive, but not forget. And, and, right. and I cannot I'll never forget this conversation. And one of the things that's, that concerns me, um, Stacy, is that this mirrors exactly what happened to some people I know in Idaho Um, they had a loved one Mm -hmm. taken to a hospital in Boise and they begged them, begged them, do not use this protocol. And when they started using the protocol, it started to get worse. And they had a doctor come in and employ ivermectin and it started to get better. And then other doctors from that hospital said, nope, get them off the ivermectin. If you want to stay out of the grip of big pharma, and big medicine. Well, I advise that you control your uh, your body fat percentage. And controlling it means getting it to a point where it is the right, the, the right percentage fat uh, versus muscles called body composition. Where are you at? Are, are you in a healthy range? A, a lot of people think they are. And this is particularly true for dudes, particularly guys who are hardworking, and work with their bodies or or in the gym a lot, Um, you can look fantastic on the outside and have on the inside visceral fat. That is the stuff that leads to diabetes and heart disease because it gets between your organs and really can mess things up. So I know people who are farmer strong and you look at them and hey, they'll break you. (laughs) I know brothers like this. They will break you. Uh, But inside, they've got a whole bunch of this visceral fat. Now, if you've got all that muscle, you're one of those dudes, you should be able to take that visceral fat off very, very quickly. But here's a little secret. That visceral fat, it doesn't, just doesn't stop there. As it continues to grow, then you start to get puffy or droopy. Now, I'm not talking about aesthetics. Yeah, that doesn't look right. I'm talking about your lifelong health. Okay, SOTA Weight Loss is founded by healthcare practitioners, the real healthcare, you know, that care for people, actual patient-centered care. That's who they are. Their growth has been driven by word of mouth. Before they ever, ever thought about doing uh, endorsement partnerships or reaching out to podcasts like us, it happened organically. And now here they are nationwide. It's sodaweightloss.com, SOTAweightloss.com, sot It stands for state of the art. So, Stacey, um, you are such a warrior. You are such a fighter. You're so intelligent. God has blessed you with such intelligence and such fight. And you are, man, I can't speak for God, but but you're this sort of warrior that is going to change things. And so, when your husband is in this situation, did you ever get anybody to come in and break protocol uh, to try something like hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin?
2: I did. I'm like one of the few rare ones. I don't know how um, I ended up, um, I mean, I was praying every day over my husband and asking God to lead me to the right people, somebody that would help me. Because um, I did try going to court for him originally for his rights to try and the judge wouldn't hear it. They would not hear from his doctors or me and uh, denied it. So they had to protect the doctors. Um, so then I started to become my own best attorney and started to ask everyone I could Uh Calling up numerous doctors, anyone that, and I asked patient relations, is there anything in your hospital policy that says a doctor cannot break protocol and use another drug like ivermectin or a proper steroid? And she told me, no, there's nothing in their policy that says they can't. And that if I found a Beaumont doctor, they had to be Beaumont affiliated. If I found a Beaumont doctor that was, um, that was willing to break the protocol, that they would allow it and protect their jobs. Her name was Rhonda Jordan over at Patient Relations. So then I, uh, I said, okay, then I'm going to try. And I started calling as many doctors as I could. Um, I stopped doctors in the hallway. I didn't even care what profession they were. I just like, or what, you know, what realm of medical care they were in. I was just asking everybody, who can you put me in front of? Who? And every day I was doing that. And finally, you know, after asking God to please lead me to the right person, Um, Crazy enough, there was a former lung specialist and um, um, a surgeon, this guy that I just call him the good doctor. He decided to, um, he follows the frontline doctors. He follows a lot with Peter McCullough, um, Dr. Paul Merrick. He listens to all of them and he uh, knew about ivermectin and he knew that there was a lot of studies on it. Even the nurses that were working with Ryan, most of them um, we're very pro-trying ivermectin as well. And I I had a bunch of them um, stop me in the hall one day, put their arms around me, about seven of them, told me that I needed to do this fight and I needed to get this to, to keep speaking out and fighting for my husband and that they had my back in this. Um, and when I found the doctor who was willing to do it, he said, as long as um One, that there was nothing in the hospital policy that says he couldn't do it. He would do it. Uh, He wanted to see where he stood legally in the hospital. And then um, if he had support, I told him, well, you look into the legal in." I didn't see anything in hospital policy, nor did Rhonda Jordan. Here's her number. Contact her. He knew who she was because he works there. And I said, well, and I'm also going to find you your support. So courage is contagious. I believe that we're going to find it. And sure enough, I found four others willing to do it. Uh, one of them was the chief of staff over there um, and so they uh, they ended up giving him seventy six milligrams of ivermectin and um, they had to give him a higher dose because you now he was very swollen after the kidney dialysis and everything. So they gave him 76 milligrams of it, and on just the first night, less than 24 hours, his blood oxygen—not even his pulse ox, his blood oxygen, which is more accurate reading—was like went from 64% to 100% less than 24 hours. Um, and he was starting to hold his own. He was starting to come down off of the vent. He was staying at 100% pulse ox the whole time. His heart rate, his blood pressure, all staying steady as he was starting to come off of the vent setting. And so the doctor had told me, he said, Um, you know, this is the best I've ever seen. Ryan, he's making improvements, um, better than what he has since he's been here. He goes, I'm going to continue this. We're going to try to do, he had him on, he was set to do a five day course. And then he said he was going to bump him to like a seven to 10 day, just depending on how he keeps going. Um, And But on day four, uh, two infectious disease doctors, the first one was a woman doctor named Hannity Doss, Dr. Hannity Doss. And then the second one was the head of infectious disease, Dr. James Sundstrom, who's never even seen my husband even once, came up onto that floor to revoke it. Dr. Doss revoked it and signed herself off of his case and handed it over to Sundstrom. Murderers. Um, She had wrote it up that. That she didn't allow veterinarian meds to be given to patients, even though I have proof from the pharmacy that it was for human dose.
0: Unbelievable. And she said it
2: broke policy, which also isn't true. Yeah. And so they forced him back into COVID protocol, which they had told me on hidden camera was not going to let him get better, but all they're allowed to do due to politics. So they're letting politics control their medical oath. So it's just unreal to me. Uh, so unreal. So I'm supposed to let this person just die because you're worried about you're not getting your kickbacks from Gilead. So sure enough, my husband also had a, a link where he could see what doctors are being paid by what drug companies. And so I typed in Sundstrom into that same link government website link. And it did come up that he is paid by Gilead. Surprise, surprise. And Gilead is the maker of Remdesivir or Veklury is the other name for it. So that might have been a Motive behind them taking Ryan off of that.
0: Have you attempted to um, press? I'm sorry. Have you attempted to press criminal charges? Uh, Have you tried to have you tried to press criminal charges for murder against these people?
2: I have not yet, but I would love to do that.
0: (laughs) Uh, I'm telling you, um, I would. I would uh, look. I would get the police involved in this and make them take your evidence. Look at your evidence. They said, this isn't going to, this isn't going to rescue this guy. It's politics. And their hands are yeah. forced. No, they weren't. Their hands were unforced. Your husband was on ivermectin. He was getting better. Their hands were unforced. Yep. Their hands were never forced yep. to vent him ever. They made all these decisions, yep. knowing the outcome. And you better believe there's motive. They said, oh, well, we're afraid of losing our jobs. Well, you're talking about a man's life. I have news for you, by the way. There are things that irk a person worse than losing their job. Incidentally, there's also things that irk a person worse than dying. One of them is injustice that continues like this. So I would love to mm-hmm. see you get with, a, get with an attorney to help you present this. I would get the police involved before there's any statute of limitation stuff. Make them say no. Make them say, we're not going to press yeah, charges I've, in this.
2: Yeah, I've heard other people trying to get the police involved. and yeah. A lot of times the police won't touch it. I mean, just like the same thing, there's a lot of attorneys scared to touch these cases because of the corruption all the way up the political, all the oh, up the political chain. Oh, you bet. So. So, it's, uh, it's the same thing. Everyone's fighting for a brave attorney to do what's right and also our men in blue as well. Um, and it's sad because we all have their back <laughs> and, and when do they have ours? Uh, so, it's sad. It's, we're living in a very uh, good versus evil. This is like a spiritual warfare is all get out. Um, oh, and I know what's crazy yeah. is they say they follow the standard of care. But the standard of care on the NIH says that it should never be enforced, that it should be between the patient and the provider. No and it said that right on their website. So if they're following the standard of care, then why are they why were they forcing it? If we had our choice of our doctor there and we picked that good doctor and he made that choice to give Ryan ivermectin and he was responding well to it, even if they thought ivermectin didn't ever work, well it worked for Ryan. So why didn't they if they didn't have an intention to do harm and take that away from him, they took it away knowing that what they were going to give him was not going to work and what what's what they took away was working. So They need a treat. If they didn't believe in it, they should have said, Well, Ryan's the uh, abnormal response to ivermectin. Somehow it's working for him. But they didn't have Ryan's best interests in mind. They had their own interests, their paychecks. So they took that away from him and uh, he started to go downhill. Um, pretty, pretty quickly the next day started to go through a cytokine storm, which had I not have came in that day. And I almost didn't because I had lost my dad around that same time. Um, and I, uh, I almost didn't come in, and I did. Something made me come in, even knowing that I only had two hours left of visitations that day. And I went in. I had like a panicky feeling over me that something was wrong. I needed to be there. And I come in, and I find him sweating profusely all over his body, like liquid coming out of his ears, his nose, his arms, everywhere, and he had no fever. Um, And they went and tell me why his oxygen was just starting to drop. And so I got a hold of the good doctor. The good doctor gave me his own cell phone number because he knew that the hospital was always preventing me from contacting anyone. So he gave me his own cell phone. So I contacted him and said something's wrong with Ryan. Uh, he's like sweating really bad. His oxygen is plummeting. He asked me if there was a nurse in the room. Can you put the nurse on the phone right away? I put the nurse on the phone and I heard she had it on speaker and he said, Ryan's going through a cytokine storm. If we don't put him on a proper steroid right now, we're going to lose him tonight. And um, I think she was taken back by that. She didn't want me to hear it. And she's like, no, doctor, that ain't going to happen. That ain't going to happen on my watch. And then she didn't even know what a cytokine storm was. So these are patients that are supposed healthcare workers are supposed to be with COVID patients and being with people that, you know, critical care and ICU floor and you don't know what a cytokine storm is. So that really scared me because even I knew what that was and I'm not a medical expert. So, um, they, they put my husband on a high dose steroid broke broke protocol again, put him on a high dose steroid nine times the strength of protocol. And he, the, the doctor had told me that he was in God's hands. And, uh, this so I, doctor he, had, had that,
0: the audacity to speak at the Lord.
2: Yep. Yeah. I mean, he, he told me there was something different about me that made him do uh, the, the breaking the protocol and, and being brave enough to stand up and do something.
0: Yeah, because the Holy Spirit um, was speaking through you and um, and that doctor. Oh, my goodness gracious. Um, only God can forgive these people. I mean, I I'm so struggling with this. Uh, I'm never right. going to forget this conversation. And at least he was aware of God's presence. And how could he not be? Because the Holy Spirit is still in you, by the way. The Holy Spirit is driving this, Stacy. You have this, um, you have this focus and this intelligence that God is lending you. You're the voice that people need right now, um, and nothing will ever replace your dear husband Ryan until you guys are reunited in heaven, and you know all. And he says, "Man, thank you for what you did afterwards, during and afterwards." Um, I, I, I cannot ever let this go. Um, my goodness. So your, your husband's, um, this, this doctor gave him this extra strong steroid broke protocol again, even though of course their hands are tied. And then what transpired?
2: Uh, I, he, I stayed by him. They let me stay there through the night cause it was so touch and go. Uh, but 17 hours later he pulled through, um, he pulled through and, uh, he started to get better. Um, once he became stable, I, um, I left for four hours to go home and feed my pet and said I'll be right back. And we had, There was a nurse in there that was there for 40 years, so I felt pretty comfortable, and she was very pro-breaking like breaking protocols and very much aware of what the hospital was doing. Uh, so I felt confident to leave. So I left for a little bit, and uh, in that short time, I get a, a call from that good doctor telling me that Dr. Kierbeck, who was head of the ICU, I took my husband off of that steroid cold turkey because it's not part of protocol. And the good doctor had told him, if you take him off of that steroid, you're going to kill Ryan. And he said that he had to think of himself and his, uh, his job. Uh, so, he, so the good doctor said, well, shouldn't your loyalties be to Stacy and Ryan? Shouldn't Ryan's safety be above anything else? Uh, and I guess that doctor got upset over that. Try to have the good doctor fired off of the ICU. Oh, which then had me frantically texting the chief of staff, um, and I said, "Hey, I want you to take that Dr. Kierbeck, and he needs to be removed off of my husband's case, effective immediately. That I fear for my husband's life and his safety, and I need to have that good doctor put back under Ryan's care, like now." And um. Then, I don't know what it was, but the the chief of staff got involved, got Dr. Kerbeck to concede off my husband's case, and then the plan was going to be, which I didn't know till after, but the plan was going to be to have a good doctor be head of ICU starting that following Monday uh, as a last-ditch effort to save my husband against those who are just simply obeying orders. And um, so we had to get through the weekend first. And uh, Sunday night, the night before the good doctor would be in charge of the ICU, they suddenly upped my husband's fentanyl and propofol intake. Propofol is the sedative that killed Michael Jackson. And we all know what fentanyl will do. Um, so I get the call at 3 in the morning on that Monday from the good doctor who was already there, already assessed Ryan and called me. So that tells me he probably knew that Ryan's life was in danger. He probably didn't sleep. And I would assume he didn't even go to bed and just went straight into work work as early as he could. Um, and I got a phone call at 3 in the morning that I needed to come down there that they were thought we were losing Ryan. And when I walked in there, he looked gone <laughs> He looked like someone had who had OD'd, um, and that was even before I knew that they had maxed him out on those drugs. Um, he just looked like someone uh, stoned and just gone. I could see the coloring changing in his skin, um, and I I looked over at the nurse who had helped, who had given him his first dose of ivermectin, who actually who had given me uh, credible research documents on ivermectin working and stood by me. Uh, I looked at him as the doctors that were in there. I didn't know who they were, and they were trying to emergency-prone Ryan, so they were putting him on his stomach, trying to get his oxygen back up, which helped him sometimes. So they were doing that, and I made eye contact with that nurse as if I was trying to uh, justify that these people were on our side. They were telling me that they were, work- they were um, working under that good doctor and that they were on Team Ryan. And that they supported everything the good doctor had done thus far. And I didn't know if they were lying to me because I've been lied to so many times. So I looked over at that nurse and made eye contact with him. And he nodded yes, like letting me know that that's true. And I could see there was something. There was something in that nurse's mind that he knew that they did something. I just know it. I can feel it still to the second. I can still see it his his face expression in my head. But there was so much going on around me that I didn't question it. But he did hug me and apologize for what the hospital had done. He didn't believe it. He never. He told me he didn't want to believe that the hospital would revoke meds that would intentionally help a person. And he could not get himself to believe it, it was intentional. that They were withholding something that could work. But then he's seen it. He's seen what ivermectin did for my husband. He's seen him improve, and he's seen who revoked it. So his eyes were open to what was really happening in that hospital. Um, and I think he knew more than what he's ever even said out loud. To this day, I still think he knows more. Um, and so I, uh, I, when they told me that they had done everything for Ryan and that he was maxed down in his blood pressure meds and his heart rate was still starting to um, go really high and his blood pressure dropping, they told me that he was going to code at any time and that he uh, would not be able to come back from this. And his oxygen was staying in the 50s, so his blood oxygen had to have been somewhere in the 30s or 40s. Um, And uh, he, uh, they told me that he wouldn't be able to come back from, that he was already gone. The doctor who fought for him sat with us and cried and told us that he was so sorry that he couldn't get to Ryan sooner and that... um, that this goes a lot deeper than just the hospital. The corruption yes. goes a lot deeper than just what this in the hospital. And uh he um uh, he felt really bad that he couldn't save Ryan. And he cried with us and told us that if we were to do a full code on Ryan and try to revive him, that we would just be prolonging his death and not his life. Okay. And I I could feel it. And um, so I played my wedding song for Ryan. And I prayed over him and I told him to go home and be with Jesus. And that I would continue to fight for him and be his voice.
0: Ah, uh, You did. And I
2: wouldn't stop fighting until we got justice.
0: You did. Uh, wow. You welcomed you you, you, you. you let your husband go to Jesus. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I'm a little older than you. And that's how I hope to go out. I hope that my little girl is there to say, go to Jesus. That's what we told my dad it's okay to go. And he, uh, and he went straight into the Lord's arms, straight into the Lord's arms and no pain. And I know that you've heard that a hundred times from pastors and others and, and nothing, you know, nothing but, but time and the Holy spirit will, will ever, uh, ever take that pain from you. I wish that I could take it from you. Stacy this happened in the state of Michigan, and, and you've been very clear, though, that this is going on around the country, and I've seen it it's in the state of, state of Idaho. Yeah, it's, it's not even in the community, I mean, it's global, and yes. um, I happen to be on the nonprofit board of a hospital. Um, it's not a hospital. We can't call it a hospital, actually. I have to call it a medical center, uh, treatment center um, called Heart of Hope in Hayden, Idaho. And mm-hmm. our doctors, I'm on the nonprofit part. I have nothing to do with the healthcare, thank God. Um, but th- those doctors, um, they operate the FLCC protocol. Uh, they will not use uh, the hospital protocol. And they have, they have successfully had patients taken out of the hospital and taken to Heart of Hope um, and, and saved. And that's too late for your husband, clearly. Um, I want you to know that there's a parallel society of, of medical centers like that being built there's a parallel society of of healthcare workers who are done, and they've seen that they're being they're being forced to participate in murdering people. They, these people murdered your husband, in my judgment. And um, I I would love to find a way to mobilize my audience, uh, my podcast family. Most of them have been with me for a decade. And I would love to be able to find a way to mobilize us um, uh, to do anything like promote the, if you are able to release the the hidden audio, the hidden video, anything like that to promote it so that people see uh, there's anything we could do in the state of Michigan to maybe just have some people go by that hospital and take some pictures of your husband and stand there and say, do you remember when you murdered this guy? Um, and just spend a week maybe around uh, Ryan's birthday or something that that's a, a significant date to go you know take pictures and say, do you remember the day your hospital murdered this man or the weeks that you murdered him and how long that took? Um, has Michigan has, has anyone from national media reached out to you like um, any television, any local media in Michigan?
2: Um, I've only done uh, so. I've, I've done a lot of interviews. Um, I actually, I'm in Mickey Willis's uh, documentary, A Bad Medicine, that's supposed to come out later this year. Yeah. Um And uh, but no mainstream media, nothing. I've tried to get like on Tucker. I would love to be like on, on Tucker Carlson, um, any of those. I have had no luck reaching out to anybody.
0: Okay. Um, so, I can't make any promises about that stuff. I will tell you that uh, this is going to air. We're recording this for the podcast. It's going to air on my national radio show. Um, so, I will make sure that people mm-hmm. hear it that way. Uh, and then I'll, I'll, I'll do whatever I can on my side to help distribute your story and to have other people hear it. Um, the closest I can get to Tucker Carlson is I know someone who's very good friends with him. Um, And, and that guy's well aware of what pharma does because um, their family has suffered through pharma trying to trans their little girl against their will. Um, And Mm -hmm. the little girl was 11 years old and they they started to try to trans her behind their backs in the schools. So they're well aware of what pharma is doing to kids uh, and to families. Uh, so yes. they might be able to to help, you know, get that through to Tucker has such a, a strong uh, base. If you've been able to get in touch with any, um, uh, there are decent elected representatives like Rand Paul, um, like Ron Johnson, um, who, who are trying to fight this battle. I don't know that anyone in your state is at that level yet in the state of Michigan, um, but there are some you know, pretty significant mm-hmm. um, yeah. office holders who at least would hear the testimony. And I don't. I don't mean to sit here and try to problem solve with you. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just. I'm curious if if any of oh, them. Oh no! I like to get this you.
2: word. Get yeah. get this out as many people as we could for sure. Yeah. Um. And so I. I have a lot of evidence. Some some things I have released to the media. Um, Some of it I haven't. Um, So there's still a lot that I have uh, where some have some attorneys have looked at it and said that I have the most evidence of anyone they've ever seen. Um, So it's a. the, the, a lot of them are just scared about the time involved into fighting it. Yep. But just like I found a brave doctor who was willing to do the right thing, I believe that the right attorneys are out there to do the right thing as well. And God just needs to pull on the heartstrings of those people yep. and get them brave enough to do what they were called to do, and that's fight for justice in our country. Um And the same way as that doctor knew to fight for a human life above his paycheck. Um, So I, I believe that that, that eventually... I know there is a limit uh, of time to do that. Um, in Michigan, it is two years, um, and yeah. I am coming up on one year right now. So I would All definitely right. anyone you know, I'd be appreciative.
0: Have you gotten the my pillows? You got those rights. You probably have the travel pillows and bought some for the vacation house, right? Didn't you? And maybe you purchased them because you thought, you know, I'm going to support this Michael Lindell who's speaking his mind in. Um, in contravention of the party's demands and then he got the product and he said wow these are great Uh, is exactly my experience the first time i worked with mike i said yeah i'll try the pillows i mean it's gimmicky and the guy's a conservative and he makes no bones about that he loves america so i'll try the pillows and when they came they were all flat and that's there you go yeah i followed the directions put them in the dryer puffed them up and then just thought these are fantastic pillows And same with the towels, though, honestly, I expected the quality, but I was afraid of being disappointed. How do you match the pillows? He did it. So the six-piece towel set comes with two bath towels, two hand towels, and a washcloth two-pack, and they are the most absorbent and softest towels I have ever used And characteristically to Mike, he's taking his 60-day money-back guarantee. He's extending it all the way through March 1st, 2023, if you order before Christmas Day. Or, yeah, before before Christmas Day. Wow, it's that soon. It is, isn't it? So, wrap yourself in the same luxury towels I have. Get the Pillow six-piece towel set. You go and you do this right now. You get it for $39.98. The regular price is more than double that, $89.98. So go to MyPillow.com slash Herman and use promo code Herman. You get all sorts of deep discounts on MyPillow products when you do that. So get your six-piece MyPillow towel set for only $39.98. Shop MyPillow.com slash Herman promo code Herman. That's MyPillow.com slash Herman promo code Herman. And thank you so much for listening to the Best of Programming. So here's what I'm saying on the on the cast. Uh, if you are a lawyer and you are uh, admitted to practice in Michigan, uh, get to the show page, uh, leave a note, and tell me the toddhermanshow.com. Tell me who you are, and I'll put you in touch with Stacy. Um, if you are a lawyer, and well, you know what? The other thing I think we need to do is get this in front of some of the the, the lawyer blogs. Um, and I've got a relationship with, with uh, Professor Jacobson at, Powerline, or me, at Legal Insurrection and some of the folks at Powerline. Uh, we'll do what we can on this side to try to distribute the story. But again, if you're a lawyer and you're licensed to practice um, in the state of Michigan, your license is active, get in touch with me at com. And I'll pass this on to Stacy. And Stacy, I'd love to get um, whatever evidence you can release to me. And we'll put as much focus on this as we possibly can. Um, coming up in December, I'm told okay. I'm going to be filling in on Clay and Buck's show. And I will work with the producers there to see what we could do to get your story on there. Uh, this, I just learned this, by the way. So that's... But we'll do everything we can on our side. And this podcast, uh, God's blessed us being in the top one half of one percent of all podcasts uh, globally, and one of the top uh, fifty conservative podcasts in the country. Um, so we'll do what we can on our side. So let me let me wrap this up this way. Okay, I always t- I, I always tell my audience, I always tell guests, I ask guests to go with God's good grace. I'm going to ask you something else. Um, I'm going to pray, Stacy, that you will find in this that you have been blessed, and this is a this horribly difficult thing to imagine. You've been blessed with an opportunity to work hand in hand with God Almighty. This is a spiritual battle. Our enemies are not flesh and blood, but, but, but spirits and principalities. I'm going to beg you to put on the armor of God every day. And beg you to maybe consider the fact that God has asked you to join him in the work of unveiling and tearing down this curtain that surrounds our our false respect for all medical people. Many of them deserve our respect. Many of them are bought and sold. That the Lord is taking you by the hands, by the arm, saying, work with me. And what an honor to be able to do that in the name of Jesus and for your husband, Ryan. Uh, So I hope that you will think a little bit about that. And I wrap the show up by saying, please um, be well, be strong and be kind. And let me end it this way. We all need to be more like Stacy. We all need to be more like this woman, this warrior and this woman who loves her husband so, so much. Um, I hurt for you. I haven't stopped hurting for you. And we're not going to stop communicating. And just God bless you for telling your story. And um, you know what? I'm really bummed about. I didn't get to meet Ryan, uh, but I will one day because I bet he was an amazing person. <laughs> I bet he was an amazing person. All right, yes, folks, that's the Todd Herman show. <laughs> uh, it sounds like it. That's the Todd Herman show. Please be well, be strong, be kind, and and be like Stacy.
1: multiple illegal migrants who were breaking U.S. law, and I have the exclusive audio. For all this and more, subscribe to The Sarah Carter Show on your favorite podcast app.